0: This is Father Gregory Pine, and this is Father Patrick Priscott. and welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. For this episode of God's Planning, uh, we're very excited, very delighted to have with us Jason Everett. Thanks so much for joining the show.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, So many of our listeners will know you from your various contributions, whether in the written word or the spoken word, or the other word besides, if there is such a word. Uh, But for those who don't know you, um, would you just say a word of introduction, who you are, where you're from, and the type of things that you're involved in?
1: Yeah, I run the website chastity.com and the ministry that's there, Chastity Project. For the past 25 years, been traveling around the world speaking to about 2 million teens on the subject of God's plan for human sexuality, chastity, theology of the body, gender, things of that nature. I'm blessed to uh, be married, have eight uh, fantastic, amazing kids, uh, live in Arizona, and just spoiled rotten to be able to do this for a living.
0: Incredible. I learned Well, I learned at some point in my life, but was reminded at the beginning of this episode that you don't go through daylight savings time, that you change your association between mountain and Pacific Coastal, which is a wild innovation. So we're looking forward to more wild innovations in the course of this conversation.
1: See, I didn't know you changed your clocks until I got to college, cause I had never done that. And we're sitting around the cafeteria table and people are like, oh, don't forget tonight to change your clock back an hour. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, they're like when it's 12 o'clock, you move it to 12. I'm like, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. Where does the hour go? Got this long debate, turned out the next day I apparently lost the debate because that is a thing when you're in Ohio. But yeah, I think all y'all states need to get with the program. Just leave leave your clocks alone.
0: (laughs) Unless of course you find yourself in a documentary, um, with Christopher Lloyd and Michael J Fox, which is like I said, a documentary, so true to life. And then you can change time more radically, but we'll just leave that to itself. Okay. Um, so apropos of, um, yeah, your experience engaging, you know, young people, I mean, people of, of all ages throughout the Kind of life of the church over the course of the past twenty five years, on matters of sexuality, chastity, theology, of the body, gender, things that you describe. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if, um, like, you've seen a tendency, or if you've seen a trend, or if you feel like you have a sense for where the battle for you know God's plan for human love is going. Um, yeah. Because I think a lot of people just feel bemused, bewildered, overwhelmed, yeah. for lack of better words, and they they just don't have a clear sense that you know, they know where they are in the midst of the battle or how the battle is being conducted or fought. So could you maybe, yeah, kind of situate us from what you've seen, um, and what you've, yeah, just what you've done.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I had to give like a state of the union, I would say like the good is getting better and the bad is getting worse. Uh, so I've, uh, you know, like I've been to Catholic high schools where they have like 800 kids in the high school and more than 600 of them are in campus ministry like going to daily mass, Eucharistic adoration. I mean, you look at the research on teen sexual activity and it's been going down for more than 30 years straight. The majority of American high school students are virgins. Uh, the majority who are not wish they waited longer. So there's an incredible majority of people open to this message of chastity. I think, unfortunately, an increase in abstinence is not necessarily an increase in virtue. I think mm-hmm. they're just making... Uh, poor mistakes in other areas of life, Uh, more addiction to pornography than we've ever seen before, kind of seen a hockey stick acceleration of that in the guys as well as the girls over the last five or 10 years. You know, the emergence of cell phones, more confusion than ever on a topic of gender, sexuality, and just a loss of innocence earlier. I had uh, read, remember once hearing Dr. Alice von Hildebrand, and she said that a sign of the collapse of a civilization is when the women no longer know how to blush. And I thought of that, Mike, oh, we're there. I mean, blush, nobody blushes anymore because of how much they're exposed to. So there's, there's bad news and it gets most of the headlines because like they say in journalism, what bleeds, leads. Um, but there is good news. Uh, but I think it's important we get our head out of the sand and realize that, you know, there are some very difficult, you know, attacks going on in the culture against the family right now.
2: Yeah, I'd like to pick up there. You've said, you know, um, you, t- you talk to a lot of young people about chastity, right? And of course, um, you know, as they're, they're developing and they're growing, it's an, a virtue that it is important to master early. Uh, what, what would you say or what do you say to people who are kind of re- reclaiming that virtue, right? Like you go through college, you weren't lucky enough to have Jason visit your high school. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you didn't go to to their high school. They weren't impacted by one of your marvelous talks. Um, what kinds of words of encouragement do you offer college students who have had a conversion and who are beginning to, to put in those foundational pieces of chastity in their life at maybe a little bit later time?
1: Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. One is to remember John Paul II said chastity can only be thought of in association with the virtue of love. That's why you're doing this thing. You're not doing it to just basically just white knuckle and repress your sexual desires. It's not so you don't get pregnant and dive in STD and go to hell. You're, you're doing this so that you can be free to love, free because Christ said, blessed are the pure in heart, they're gonna see God, not only in the next life in heaven, but in this life, in your girlfriend, and even in yourself, it gives you that clarity of vision of the things of God. And if, if you make a mistake, you fall down, get up, like, like don't lose your peace. Don't get overly discouraged by the fact that you're human. Get up, give a sincere contrition, go to confession, and keep fighting. Because in the end, the Christian, the one who wins is the one who's still standing when the bell is rung at the end. And so you fall down, just get up. And in the meantime, try to practice custody of your senses. I remember uh, one saint who said that your soul is like a majestic castle and it has five entry points being your five senses. And if you don't have a guard at the door of those entry points, then any infidel can get into the castle and take possession of it. And so, like, do I have custody over my ears of the things I listen to when I'm at the gym? Do I have custody over my eyes of the things that I'm seeing on social media? If you can have custody over your senses, then it's gonna be a lot easier to keep your imagination pure, because that's where those images are entering into the soul. So, and granted, even if you're doing your best there, temptations are bound to come, but you see someone beautiful, Thank you, God, for making her beautiful. You know, may she be holy like your mother was holy, and, and you move on. So don't get overly distracted or discouraged if you keep having sexual temptations. No, this is an opportunity for virtue. It's not a vice that you're tempted. I mean, where the the will has not consented, there is no sin. And so be patient. Temptations are going to come, but you're on the right course, and you're doing it for the sake of love.
0: Okay, so I have a, a follow up question. You've made a couple mentions now of like loss so loss of innocence loss mm. of virginity and i think that's often coupled with loss of hope yeah. or with like loss of imagination we had a moral theology professor that one of the tricks the evil one pulls is to convince us that chastity isn't even possible so mm. then we don't look to cultivate it or we don't look to encourage it in our peers or in those to whom we're sent in service because it just doesn't exist in our moral landscape it's been yeah. omitted from the tableau yeah. Um, so, for those who feel like they have lost or they themselves are lost, like where are different, where might they find points of entry to the good news that you've described, that you've set forth? Like, how can they take the step if such a step exists?
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the things is to, to recognize if the message of chastity that you got was deficient. Uh, that was trying to motivate you towards something good, but with an incomplete message like, well, you don't want to lose your virginity because then you're going to be like a chewed up piece of gum. And who wants a chewed up piece of gum? You want a fresh piece of gum. And you're like, uh, okay, well, I was abused. Or look, I made a dumb mistake when I was 17. So I'm just like some chewed up recycled piece of gum. What we, we need to understand is maybe those people's intentions were good and trying to promote abstinence or whatever. But the means that they were using can leave some serious scar tissue. And so you need to understand your value does not come from your virginity. Your your sexuality has value because of you you are the gift you still have yourself to give and so if you've made some mistakes you can start over you still have yourself to give and so not to try to define yourself by the past of thinking oh you know guilt is one thing you know i did something bad shame is something totally different like i am bad because of what i did i think of a priest who once said that you know god knows your sins but he calls you by your name the devil knows your name but he calls you by your sins And so make sure who it is that's calling you. Like if you're feeling called just by your sins, oh, I'm the the porn addict, or I'm the, you know, the guy who's attracted to other guys, or I'm the girl who did this or that. Like that's not God calling you. Like he calls you by name and he knows the mistake that you made, but you're more, John Paul II said, than the sum of your failures and mistakes. You know, you're the sum of the father's love for you.
2: So can you offer a few words, I think, um, about what chastity looks like over the whole of life? You know, because obviously, before you're married, um, chastity looks more like uh, practicing of a a complete and and total abstinence, right? Um, But then after you're married, it's not a virtue that goes away. So what does it uh, it look like for a Catholic couple to practice chastity in in a kind of robust and living way in their marriage?
1: Yeah, and that, that's an important point to make. That isn't like chastity until marriage. That once I get married, then I'm done with that virtue. This is a virtue that's very important to have in the sacrament of marriage. One of the ways I get that across when I talk to singles is that abstinence, I explain to them, is actually one of the greatest preparations for sexual intimacy in marriage. And you think, oh, well, why? Wow, that, that's really counterintuitive. Well, what we have to learn as singles is that abstinence is an expression of love. And so you've got some high school kid. He's tempted to do something with his girlfriend, but because I love her, I want what's best for her. And so abstinence tonight is a greater expression of love towards her than making love with her. Because I'm doing what's best for her and not just what feels good in the moment. So if a guy gets that as a single person, then he gets married, he understands that sometimes abstinence is gonna come in your marriage. It might be because you're traveling, your spouse is exhausted, things aren't going well, or you know, maybe your spouse is going through a period in life where, you know, I have friends that whose spouses have been sexually abused as kids, and then those memories come up in marriage and they need some space. And sometimes uh, heroic seasons of abstinence are required in marriage. But if a man doesn't understand that his absence can be an expression of love for her, then he could become pouty and petulant and whiny and distant and demanding or unfaithful because she's not fulfilling his needs. And you could see there where his woundedness, his lack of authentic masculine and chaste development, will actually infect her wounds instead of actually healing them. And so abstinence could be a, a way to live out chastity in marriage, but even the gift of sexuality itself, are we following God's plan for this? And the fact that it's ordered towards procreation, it's not deliberately sterilized, contracepted and aborted, but not just chastity in my body. What about my imagination? You know, am I saying, yeah, I'm faithful to my wife, but I'm looking at these other girls on TikTok and Snapchat and porn websites. That's not chastity either. And so John Paul, the second kind of points out that your freedom is best measured by your capacity to love. So whatever inhibits my ability to love, whether it's my pride or self absorption or lust or addiction or whatever, it's to that extent that I'm not free. And so one of the functions of chastity then is to free us to love, free us to love as a priest, single person, or as a husband and wife.
0: Just in listening to your descriptions, I'm struck by the fact that chastity, it makes a person real. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes a person substantial. It makes a person like, for lack of a better term, metaphysically thick. And I think that if there are, I mean, there are many ills of this present evil age. But one is, I think a lot of people feel insubstantial. Like Mm -hmm. they can only give an insubstantial word and they're looking to back off from it. Like if they committed to a thing, they're looking to uncommit from a thing, but in Mm -hmm. the least impactful way possible and like their bodies feel to them false or potentially again insubstantial and they're Mm -hmm. looking for a way to feel more real in their own skin. And even like, their hearts loves, you know, once they've poured themselves out in another and come to discover that there's no genuine satisfaction afforded by that sexual encounter, then they look to recover, but they come to find that it's like, they don't, they don't find it to be possible. Um, So, so can you maybe, I just have confused thoughts, but how is it that, that chastity, like fills you out as a human person or comes to like, it brings about the, the fullness of your dignity or I don't know, I'm just kind of groping in the dark, but do you see the connection?
1: Yeah, and then the word that comes to mind as you speak is disintegration. There's a disintegration of the person when the virtue of chastity isn't there. It's like you're kind of going in different directions, like where your body is saying one thing, oh, I give myself totally to you, but that total gift of self has not happened if you're not married. It, it reduces a gift to a loan. So it's you're inadvertently speaking this lie in the language of the body, you feel fractured. And so what chastity in a sense is, is the integration in a healthy way of those sexual desires. It's not renouncing them. It's not just kind of white knuckling it and just repressing all these desires or shaming them or saying, Oh, I'm bad for having these desires. It's acknowledging their reality, their presence, their intensity, and in a sense, lifting them up to God and saying, God, you made me like this, you know, help me to untwist these desires, help me to love as you want me to love, because by doing so, we become as men, I think, authentically masculine. Um, There was a medieval theologian, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Thomas Aquinas, if you've heard um, that name before, but he uh, mentioned that his definition of uh, effeminacy. I'm sure you've read it, is that when a man refuses to let go of what is pleasurable in order to do what's arduous. Now, this is not his definition of femininity or of same-sex attraction, but of effeminacy. It's a disordered attachment to the pleasure which causes a, a revulsion from doing what's actually difficult. And so if you've got a culture of kind of like porn addicted men, you have a, a deeply effeminate culture. It might be exteriorly machismo and fancy cars and beautiful women and tan and big muscles, but like b- behind this facade, is a very effeminate person who's way too attached to pleasure, afraid to do what's difficult that's actually good. And so I think what chastity does is that it helps restore authentic masculinity. And it's not like, hey, I'm chaste, I'm super masculine, I got it together. It's like, this is not like signing some chastity commitment card and I'm good to go. It's like, no, this is a daily battle, daily victories, daily losses, but you're in the trenches and God's not waiting until you finish the finish line. to be like, okay, I'll be over here. When you finish, then I'll give you your crown. It's like, no. He's with you in the race, in the trenches, and he doesn't only see when you fall, he also sees your victories and you got a lot of victories. And so it's important that you not get so discouraged by just looking only at the falls, but realize, you know, God is with me in this. And because he's with me, dwelling in me by virtue of my baptism, this isn't only possible, it's necessary. And so it's only by making this total gift of myself that I'm gonna find myself. And that's why chastity, I think, helps you to live a truly integrated life.
2: I think there are just so many ways that our ambient culture threatens that vision of life, right? Where we, where we hear just on uh, movies and on TV or, or the things we listen to where are just constantly imbibing signs of a culture that are enc- encouraging us to be unchaste. What are the kinds of steps that we, that we have to take to make, to make this battle easier? You know, what are the kinds of things that we should be doing Uh, to be building up a you know a kind of positive culture yeah truly a positive culture that that really helps men in their struggle for chastity really helps young women embrace chastity
1: well i think of the uh the quote by saint paul where he says make no provisions for the desires of the flesh you think of the word provision like what is a provision well provision is like a storage like a food when you're going on the journey i think of like lord of the rings and frodo brings along the lembas bread you know rolled up in those leaves he's got this provision that's going to give him the strength and it's an allegory for the eucharist but it's this thing that you carry with you on the journey that's going to continue to sustain you those are provisions and so paul's saying make no provisions for the desires of the flesh meaning, okay, I'm trying to persevere in chastity, but I'm listening to this really trashy playlist on my phone. And I'm trying to say no to chastity, but I've still got Snapchat and this thing and that thing on my phone or this or that, or I've got those friendships that are, Constantly filling my ears with these impure conversations. These are all provisions for the desires of the flesh. And John and and Saint Paul says, you can't have that if you want to win this race. And so we've got to be honest about, okay, am I, is it that I couldn't be trying any more to avoid temptation or I basically couldn't be trying any less to avoid temptation? Let's be honest. So if like, if you're going to a place where temptations could happen, you know, pray the Lord's prayer before going there. Our lead me not into temptation. And I found like, he'll answer that. I remember I was working out at this gym years ago. And at the time that I would work out, typically there's this other woman that would work out that's extremely attractive, not modestly dressed. And, you know, and, you know, you'd see her there and say a prayer for whatever, and just have, try to have custody of your eyes, your imagination. But then I once decided, okay, I'm just going to pray in our father before we go to the gym every time, like lead us not into temptation, you know, because he said, pray that you will not even enter into the test, but we don't want to pray that prayer. Cause, cause we want to, almost delight in some of the temptation and then have the courage to overcome it and, and walk away with a little bit of our pride. But Christ is like, no, 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 that pride comes before a fall. Pray that you might not even enter into temptation. So, you know, I started praying that and the weirdest thing happened, she disappeared. She never came back to the gym. Like it was like she'd quit her membership, disappeared, moved out of state. Like granted, God doesn't always do that for me, but I think it was kind of his sign of just like, hey, I hope I'll, she honor I'll honor that one. I'll honor that one. You notice you, you need me, so I'm gonna step in for you.
0: Um, Okay, so I have some thoughts just following up about genuine or authentic masculinity and femininity, you know, pursuant to this point about integration, the way that chastity orchestrates an integration of the person. And when you come together as a person, you're going to be more so a man or more so a woman, Mm -hmm. in whichever case applies. Um, so we recently, Father Patrick and I were having some conversations with men about the virtue of courage in which conversation, effeminacy came up. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were also trying to engage with this notion of like nouveau masculinity, as you will see, sometimes see touted on social media, which is a lot of like beat the breast, bang the drum type stuff. Um, so, so with chastity kind of leading the way as it were, what do you think it means to recover? Genuine masculinity, what does it mean for a man to be brave to be courageous in his struggle for it like how does how does that come together concretely in a man 's life
1: well, for me it, it helps to look you know for role models in my own life of authentic masculinity. I think of Saint Joseph, you know a man who clearly had strength you know because you know the father tells him, okay, through the angel, I want you to go from you know Nazareth to Bethlehem to Egypt to nazareth i mean it's hundreds of miles journeying through the desert, so he wasn 't some 80 year old guy that you often see, you know, in art, Christian art, which is really, I don't know where they come up with that stuff because there's no historical evidence whatsoever. I mean, there's no way he could have made the journey. Even if he had like those tennis balls under his walker, you know, at the age of 80, like you you can't make the trip. It's not gonna work. Like he was probably an 18 year old guy. And I like to think about that because, okay, so God took the most beautiful woman that's ever existed and to guard her spotless innocence and purity God the Father entrusted her to a college age guy. And so, because he knew that Joseph's love wasn't a threat to her purity, Joseph's love was the very safeguard of her purity. And so to spend time meditating on St. Joseph, that he had this strength, but instead of using it to dominate, manipulate, he used it to serve, to sacrifice, to not conquer a woman for the sake of himself, but to conquer himself for the sake of others. You've got a man that really initiates the gift of life-giving love. And all of this, God stamped into our body as men, not only our identity as male, but our calling to, to use that gift of strength to initiate this gift of life-giving love. And most guys, I think, one, aren't initiating love. They're either initiating lust or they're initiating nothing because they're afraid of rejection. And they bought off on this kind of false idea of freedom that you don't want a girlfriend because then you're tied down. You don't want a wife, it's a ball and chain. You don't want kids, it's game over. And it's this really false notion of freedom. And that's why John Paul points out that freedom exists for the sake of love. It exists for the sake of being given away. And if you try to cling to freedom as a good in itself, in a sense, it it, it rots because now I'm free because I don't have anyone that I'm responsible for. Well, that's the definition of adolescence. You know, manhood becomes when you realize I'm responsible for other people. More people matter than just me and my feelings. And so keeping our eyes on people like St. Joseph, Blessed Pere Giorgio Frisati, St. John Paul II, you know, find some good men because we don't learn manhood from books necessarily. We learn manhood from being in the presence of men. So find some godly men in your own life, spiritual role models, spend time with them. And I think that masculinity will rub off.
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask, and maybe this is a, an extension of uh, of that note on, on freedom that you left off with there, but what is it that chastity really does for us? What is it that that people should be striving for? Because if we think that you know, pursuing this virtue is just about fidelity to a commandment or, you know, as we've alluded to, just kind of white knuckling through something. We're, we're missing the point. What, it, what, it, what, what in our hearts is being opened up to us? What is it that we're discovering by practicing and living this virtue?
1: Yeah, well, one of the things that it does is it frees us to love. Because if I can't say no to my sexual impulses, then saying yes, to them really doesn't mean anything. I think of a definition that John Paul once gave of purity. He said that when we grow in purity, he said, "You come to an ever greater awareness of the gratuitous beauty of the human body and its masculinity and femininity, and this beauty becomes a light for your actions And I love this quote because he's actually saying that if you grow in purity, you come to an ever greater awareness of the gratuitous beauty of the human body and its masculinity and femininity, and it's the beauty of the human body that becomes a light for your actions. And to me, it's so rich you can spend so much time on that. But it ties in well to a theme that he gave in a love in his book, "The Theology of the Body," where he talks about Adam and Eve because of Adam's purity of heart before the fall, that Eve experienced all of the peace of the interior gaze. And what he meant by that is that when Adam looked at Eve, he didn't see her as some thing to be used for selfish gratification. Her body revealed his invitation to love her as God loves her. And as a result, well, where, why could they feel any shame if that's the way they saw one another's bodies? And, but with being looked at in that way, she experienced this deep, profound peace because women are very intuitive into the way that men look at them. I think women can tell from a hundred yards away if a guy's looking at her as something to be consumed for his gratification. But John Paul says if you grow in that purity of heart, like you guys can actually give women in your parish, your wife on the wedding night, all of the peace of the interior gaze. And I think when women hear this idea of chastity, it's like, ooh. That's what I want. I want to feel safe in a man's eyes. And I think every guy also is like, I want to give that to my wife. I want to give that to my girlfriend. I don't want to be stuck with these porn goggles that have been left on my face since adolescence from all these years of internet porn I've consumed. Like, how do I peel these scales off my eyes and look at her with a pure heart? It's through that virtue of chastity that we can love a woman without even saying a word by the way that we look at them. I was at a friend's wedding and there was a country song they were dancing to for the bride and groom dance by this artist named Gabby Barrett. And there's a line in there where it's talking about the good ones, like the guys out there that are solid. And she says, you'll know him when you see him by the way he looks at me. And it's such a rich line, like you'll know he's the man for me just by the way he looks at me. Not just some like googly eyed, fallen in love, infatuation, mawkishness kind of thing, but just this, this penetrating reverence. And so I think this is why chastity needs to be understood and explained in these terms, that it's not just true. It's not just good behavior. It's beautiful because you can argue with what's good and true, but beauty is irrefutable. And I think when a woman hears this idea of chastity, it's like, yeah, I could go for that. And I think guys as well want to ascend to the challenge to love rightly, because we want to look like a knight, but we don't want to bleed like one. But here with chastity is where Christ kind of comes, invites us to come and die.
0: Okay, I think we have time for, for one more question. Mm-hmm. And you have gestured in the direction of where this question will lead on a variety of occasions, but I just want to tease it out. Uh, so we have you know a lot of parents who listen to the podcast and they're thinking about how they can educate, form, encourage chase children Mm -hmm. and I, i suspect that something of that interior gaze is also part of the way in which you look upon your sons and daughters um but you know it's 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 a scary place out there and the chances that your children will come into contact with lewd content or be tempted against chastity are really high so what do you do to prepare them for that and how do you support them in the midst of that like what what do you do to uh, beget chastity as it were in your kids.
1: Well, I think step number one is to live it yourself. Uh, you know, I've got a kind of a policy with my phone here that if a kid needs to use my phone or for whatever, I'm like, okay, here we go. And they can use it right there in front of me. Um, and because I want to almost treat my phone because there's a feature on your phone where you can just kind of do screen mirroring, you hit the bot, the button, then it shows up on the family room, room TV. I want to live with my phone, that that's always on that my, my cell phone is always on the living room TV. And if anyone can see what's on there, then I'm fine looking at that thing. But I got no business looking at anything unless the whole family can view that together. And so if a dad has that open policy with my phone, and granted, I'm not just gonna give them unfettered internet access to look at whatever on my phone, but it's an open door thing that if you need my phone to do calculator for your fourth grade math, here you go. And I think if they see, okay, dad is that free with his phone, How can I have a little fit if he wants to see what apps are on my phone or what my internet history is? And so it's got to be this open door policy that I'm not expecting you to practice abstinence and chastity. You better obey the church's teaching on sex before marriage, but inside a marriage, well, we get a pass over here. Because your kids won't always obey you, but they'll never fail to imitate you. So step one is making sure you're living it yourself. And then step two, I'd say is get over your insecurities when it comes to talking to your kids about the stuff, because a lot of parents are scared to death. My parents didn't talk to me and my kid's just going to roll his eyes. Look, if you don't talk to your kids about chastity, gender, sexuality, pornography, all this stuff, the world is going to fill the void of that silence with a very contrary message. I don't care if it's awkward. Like that's part of the authenticity. Get over it. And this isn't just like about giving the talk. Like I just like dropped a chastity bomb on him when he was twelve, and you know he's inoculated for lust forever. Now this is a lifelong conversation. You don't like give your kid the math talk. You don't give him like the English talk. They get twelve years of formation of that stuff. Better be the same thing with human sexuality.
0: Boom. I like that image. I like that a lot. Um, well, thanks so much. I appreciate, we appreciate you very much taking the time to chat with us and to chat with our listeners and I'm sure that they'll benefit from it, um, as a, as a kind of takeaway, other uh, a book or two of yours or a resource or two of yours from the chastity project that people could use to follow up with you and follow up with the things that you're teaching
1: yeah our website is just chastity.com we have a podcast called lust is boring that you can tap in through that uh, they can connect with us to social media on Instagram YouTube Twitter all that stuff we just got our Facebook page back um, I came out with a book on gender and someone hacked our Facebook page for five months posting daily content of judge Judy on it you can't make this stuff up like six posts a day of judge judy we finally got back the page back at the hackers off it and we actually gained fifteen thousand new subscribers of judge judy (laughs) fans who can't wait now i'm sure to hear all about chastity um so god works for the good so uh through you know just go to chastity.com you can connect with us there and then like books we've got books for the guys called like the dating blueprint to teach guys what courtship is supposed to look like, not just what not to do, but how to actually date and when to date, who to date, why to date. Uh, For the girls, we got one called How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul. It's basically a a manual on how to avoid losers. Um, We've got books for parents, How to Break Free from Porn. And then our newest one is called Male, Female, Other, A Catholic Guide to Understanding Gender. And so it's a whole book that explains that sensitive topic with charity and clarity.
0: Excellent. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much for having taken the time. We're greatly appreciative. Um, and yeah, all the best in, in future endeavors and what comes next.
1: Thank you for having me on, Father.
0: All right. Well, turning then to you, the listener, thanks as always, for listening to God's planning. Please follow us on YouTube, Twitter and Instagram, like the episode, subscribe on YouTube, or your podcast app and leave a five star review just to get the word out and help other people to come into contact with the word. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can follow the link in the description or show notes. In that same link, uh, or excuse me, in those same description and or show notes, you'll find links for merchandise and also for our up- upcoming God's planning retreat uh, for young adults 21 through 33 at Malvern Retreat House in Malvern, Pennsylvania, and that'll be November 3rd through 5th. So we hope to see you there for that. In the meantime, Nova of prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll catch you next time on God's plan.